All right, everyone. I'd like to welcome to the program the SCGA's Managing Director, Member Services, Kevin O'Connor. How you doing, KO? I'm doing okay. How about you, Jonathan? Oh, hanging in there. Long year, uh, coming to an end, but uh, you know, hopefully, brighter days are ahead. So, for our listeners that aren't familiar with your role, can you give them a little bit of an idea of what your work consists of here at the SCGA? Well, as the title references member services, it's kind of a all-encompassing customer service, customer engagement role. We o- we oversee and are involved with uh, basically everything associated with uh, handicapping, the GIN service, which is the golf handicap and information network that we use, that our members use as well, uh, all membership-related items. Our course rating program that uh, with Doug Sullivan, and our our club services, which is our interaction with our member clubs and their officials uh, through Jeremy Pitt. Yeah, that's great. Obviously, it's a, a certainly a core service of ours is the handicap index, and you know you're very familiar at that with your past experience before the SCGA. You were. Uh, working with our friends up at the Northern Cal Golf Association, and you spent uh, 15 years at the USGA. So can you describe a little bit how your previous experience, um, you know, now relates to your position? Sure. Well, at uh, NCGA up there in Monterey, uh, I was brought in to complete the introduction of slope rating into the handicap system in in that region. Uh, At the time, that was a new concept and was being introduced uh, nationwide, and uh, NCJ needed to hop to and and get ready. And then shortly after completing that, uh, the NCJ converted all of its handicap support to the GIN service that I just referenced. and uh, so migrated from one computation service to another. Uh, SCJ went through that in 2010 as well. Um, yep. That that effort, uh, the, the USJ decided that uh, that positioned me to to have a role, and I was hired by the USJ to become involved with the the GIN service as kind of a liaison with all the associations that use that service. And uh, that just morphed over time into uh, a number of roles uh, at the USGA and finally an oversight role tied to uh, handicapping, GIN, the Regional Affairs Department, and Information Technology. I just kind of had my hands in uh, a lot of things all at once at the USGA. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, paramount to that experience is, as mentioned before, the Handicap Index, one of our core services. Why is having a Handicap Index paramount to the game of golf? Paramount. You're giving, you're giving a big credibility to, uh, to a Handicap Index. Significant stuff there. That, that's right. We might be a little bit biased, but, you know, go ahead and explain why it's super important. Well, having having some kind of standardized measurement is is pretty important. Whether that's uh, internally, uh, me looking at myself 
or outwardly in comparing to others. And in looking at myself, one might say, hey, scores do a good job of telling you whether you're improving or getting worse or something of that nature. And uh, as, we, as we move from course to course or tee to tee, sometimes you can't really tell that, uh, you know, 90 at one golf course versus 88 at another, you know, which one's really better. So um, having a handicap index to be able to uh, systematically measure that and, and really tell us uh, how, how we're doing, just having a, a, a measurement uh, instead of uh, I feel like I'm doing better or I feel like I'm doing worse. Um, and as I referenced also, comparing to someone else, Someone like you is a highly skilled golfer. You tell me what your handicap index is, something like a 2, 2, 1, something of that nature. And if I'm a 6.5 or 6.7, I know right then and there that you're you know, more highly skilled and I have a little lay of the land to start with. It's almost like It almost is like you uh, looked up those handicap indexes before this call because that's spot on. Well, you know, that, that seems to be part of the... Uh, member services responsibility so maybe it's a habit that's right so january 1st this year the start of this uh tumultuous year the world handicap system was unveiled um, it featured an entirely reimagined system aimed towards creating this sort of one-size-fits-all process for the whole golfing world what were a few of the key changes and how have they affected golfers here you know 10 months in well, there were there were numerous changes, and um, you know probably a couple that that jumped out or became very apparent real quick. Like uh, was the change to how frequently the handicap index is updated, uh, which is now every time you post a score, the next day it, it a uh, index is calculated. You may not change, but but there's a calculation taking place, so you could have a different different number every single time you you play um, and that's more in line with what uh, what we expect in the world today we all want instant feedback and the handicap systems uh, responding accordingly yep. uh, we have uh, uh, how we adjust our score to ultimately what score gets entered in for the round for handicap purposes the concept of net double bogey uh, is definitely new and it's taking a little bit of time to uh, be completely understood. Um, this, this method uh, is far better than what existed before, which was a fixed score method. This one takes into account how difficult a hole is. Uh, it, it, it makes more sense to align with, gee, I have a different maximum score on a par three than I do on a par five hole. Um, but with so that on, that, on that net double bogey, let me stop you there because I agree there's definitely still a little bit of confusion. When you're entering that score into the gym app, are you always entering gross score or net when it when it has to do with that net double bogey? I know, say, say it's the number one handicap hole and I pump two drives out of bounds and end up scoring an eight on the whole gross. Now, that's a par four, obviously. So 
My maximum score that I can take there is a net double bogey, so it would be a net six or a gross seven on the hole. Am I going to post a seven or a six? So the overall phrase of, for posting a score is called your adjusted gross score. So you're going to enter a gross score. And one of the great things about all the score posting tools that the SCJ offers is if you, on that particular hole, I think, what did you say you made? You pumped a couple out of bounds. You made an eight or a nine or something like that. Either or. Let's say an eight. I had a good eight. Yeah. So if you physically went to the score posting tools, like the Gin mobile app or Gin.com or the course computers, and you entered that eight, if you entered your hole-by-hole -hole scores, it would actually figure out and adjust that gross score according to this net double bogey procedure. So you can just write down what you made on the scorecard and then rattle those scores in that you made on the course, and maybe that added up to 79 for you, and it does some adjustments and says, oh, your score under net double bogey, your adjusted gross score is 77. You may have entered individual whole scores that added up to 79, but it figures out what the math is according to this procedure. So you don't have to know all the details. You can let the system do the math for you. Yeah, that's perfect. And that's that's the answer right there, folks. Um, if you're using the proper tools, if you're going through to gin.com or you're using the gin app and you're posting hole by hole, all you have to do is post the gross score and it'll figure out the rest. That's correct? That's absolutely correct. Excellent. Now, so, for the, yeah, go I'll, ahead. I'll, Sorry. I'll jump in. For those that are, uh, you know, I don't want to enter 18 values, which why wouldn't you when it'll do all the work for you, but we've got some folks that they like to keep their minds sharp and they want to make sure that, that some computer is doing what it's supposed to do and, and, and they want to... Uh, they want to sync up and think, confirm that this is happening. I mean, the the phrase well, net double bogey sometimes just throws a curveball at people. So you can look at this in a couple different ways. Do we know what double bogey is as golfers? And I think most of us do. That's two over par on a hole, right? And now now that other part comes in, and you say, well, what is what does that net mean to me? Because there you are, you asked the question earlier about what am I supposed to enter and, and that type of thing. But So double bogey, let's use that as a starting point. And then where is it that I receive handicap strokes? If I was an 18, I get one stroke on every hole. So my maximum would be double bogey plus the stroke that I receive on that hole. So in that situation as an 18, my maximum hole score or net double bogey would be three over par or triple bogey because I'm getting a stroke on every single hole. Another phrase that people use is double bogey plus. Double bogey plus the strokes I receive. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, just different ways, just different phrases. Some Some of them resonate better than the formal term that's involved. And if, if you understand double bogey and you can figure out where you get shots on holes, you, you can you can understand this pretty easily. But as you mentioned, first and foremost, why not let why not let these machines 
do the, the work for us, and we'll just enter what we shot on the golf course. Yeah, there you go. So, folks, download that Gin app and make sure you're, you're posting hole by hole if possible. So, uh, moving on here, the uh, the term sandbagger is quite possibly, you know, the worst insult you can hurl at a golfer or have hurled at you. Um, and for those who are unfamiliar with the term, it's basically a golfer who carries a higher handicap than they should and ends up walking away with the money most of the time. Um, so what, what checks and balances are accounted for in the handicap system to better protect from, you know, that proverbial sandbagger? Protection against sandbaggers? How oh. blasphemy. Don't, yep. don't, we all want, don't we all want workarounds to, to systems? Well, the good, the good news is there are a few. So um, we'll rattle off a couple. Um, probably as important as anything is there's something called an exceptional score reduction. Mm. And what that is is if you have a really great round, the handicap system thinks at some level that that's so great that uh, it probably means your handicap index is not uh, accurate. So um, if you actually beat your handicap index by more than seven in a round when you post the score and the numbers calculated the next time it's going to say that's great i'll do the normal calculation but you beat the system by more than is normal so we're going to automatically in the math adjust your handicap index by one on top of whatever the normal calculation is and so is that is that adjusted by one for each of the scores in the file or to your overall handicap index? The, the, the truth of the matter is the answer is both. Yeah. So what it does is it adjusts the differentials of your 20 most recent scores, the ones that are going to be used in the calculation. And the net result of that is it changes your handicap index by one in addition to whatever the normal calculation is. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And if you really go for the for the home run and you beat the, your handicap index by ten, it it that reduction will be two on top of what the normal calculation is. So so you know enjoy enjoy your victory, celebrate, and tomorrow your handicap index will uh, will reflect the the fine day that you had. That's right. But the the handicap index is about potential. So I guess that that makes sense. So we have score reduction, and what what other protections? Are there any other protections in the uh, in the system? Yeah. So we have all these calculations going on, and each time you post a score, your handicap index is updated. And something that very people in Southern California are very familiar with is a low handicap index, which is the lowest handicap index that you've had in the last. 12 months and uh, some competition committees will actually use that as part of what what they uh, use in, in an event but that low handicap index there's now a tracking mechanism in the system that says okay I see what your lowest has been in the last 12 months and you start having a slump or whatever's going on and your index starts to go upward, it just can't go upward continually. There's some caps against that 
low value. Um, and once once your index uh, calculation is at least three higher than your low index, then some suppression and caps start to, to take place. And, and, and there's some complexity in, in the math, but if, if you look and you say, gee, my low is 10, and I feel like I should be a 19, and the system's not giving you a 19, it's saying, no, you're a 13.5, uh, there'll be a little identifier, a little eye with an icon and a circle next to your index, and if you hover over it, it'll say uh, some kind of cap is applied to your handicapped index. So okay. it's a, just a, just a, you know, you just can't go upward time and attorney. So you, you as a 2.1, Jonathan, I'm not going to see you listed as a 12 anytime soon. I hope not, unless I change to golfing lefty, which is sounds like a fun idea, actually. Uh, uh, yeah, so. I haven't, didn't you? Didn't you? You probably saw a couple of tour professionals try to flip it around and play a round or two of golf I lefty. Did. They, they still broke 102, which is very impressive. Yeah, yeah. So, Not me. That'd be the me. yeah, I mean, moral, moral of the story here, though, is sandbaggers beware because there are uh, checks and balances. So hopefully if everybody is posting every one of their scores as they should, then uh, those folks should be adjusted properly, you know, through the system. Um, those, and, are, those are two pretty good uh, math parts. There's just one more that I wanted to throw in. Yeah, go for it. Forward. And, and it's. There's a human element to this system as well, and it's every every club has a handicap committee, and its job is to make sure that that index that it's issuing to its members is is accurate. And if they see some sort of anomaly of of some type, uh, they do have the authority and the responsibility to go and uh, potentially modify players' handicap indexes. So you've got some mathematical formula components doing some work and you also have a human element of, of this committee both both in a position to address the sandbagger topic great and yet uh, they still seem to be a problem from time to time a, a, a tale as old as time but uh, m moving on here we'll uh, we'll jump to you know our, our current dilemma which is obviously the COVID-19 crisis you know, if the new handicap system wasn't enough for this past year, you know, obviously the world tossed this at us. What has been, what have been some of the challenges during this COVID era in golf and how have the rules of golf and sort of the rules of handicapping changed during this time? Well, I'll focus probably more on, on the, the handicapping element. Um, you're, you're seeing some scenarios where, uh, you're not allowed to hold a ball and you've got noodles in in the bottom of cups and and uh you're not seeing sometimes you're not seeing bunkers or you're not getting or bunker rakes or all, all kinds all kinds of different things um the the a, a positive in the handicap system is that there's always been a mechanism in place that said you did not have to hole out every stroke every on every hole to have a p acceptable score for handicap purposes so here we are in the covid world where in some cases we're precluded from holing out 
maybe the maybe the uh, cup liner is uh, above the the level of the the ground, and so I I physically can't hole out. And uh, you say, well, wow, is that a problem? Well, no, there was already an element in the in the handicap system that said you have a component called your most likely score. So great, I can I can use this most likely score scenario. So if I've got my 10 footer and it plunks the the uh, middle of the hole liner that's sticking out, I'd say most likely that ball was going to go in the hole and I'm gonna consider that hold and that would be my my score for the hole. Right, um, right. So without, without there was a pre-built mechanism it didn't have COVID-19 in mind, but certainly in some of the course scenarios and setups that we're seeing, there's a component without even, you know, without even an, an adjustment or anything having to be done because this existed within the handicap system. And while I'm on that, that's something that's not all that well known. This most likely score element uh, is there. It can help in pace of play scenarios. Gee, we, we we get up and we're playing a match, and you make a you make a two on a hole, and I'm lying three, and I'm in the bunker. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to beat you. I can put the ball in my pocket, determine what I think I'm going to make from that bunker what my whole score would most likely be and we can head to the next tee and I still have a score for handicap purposes. Or if we're playing a a best ball or four ball event and on the rare occasion where I have a, a good score and you're my partner and you can't help me, you can put ball in pocket and you still have a score for handicap purposes. Or if we're out there struggling speed wise and the group behind us is is pressuring us a little bit and we decide we're just going to bolt to the next tee uh, and we're a hundred yards from the hole, we can make this calculation of most likely score. So it, it, it's a nice tool to have. It happens to apply very uh, nicely in, in the COVID-19 environment and all the variations that we have going on with the, with course setup and, and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, re related, um, you know, your department at the SDGA is, um, you know, a pretty significant portion of our customer service representatives. So in this past year, what have been some of the most frequently asked questions that, you know, you have been getting from our members? Gotcha. Well, probably the one we just talked about is right up there. How do I, how do I adjust with all these oddities yeah. on, on golf courses? Um, and there's a, we just referenced out the, the most likely score scenario, but there's a, a lovely COVID-19 hub on sdga.org that will give lots of detail on both the handicapping and the rules side uh, for all those anomalies that exist today. Uh, so that, that's a very frequent query. Um, you know, I need my GIN number to post my score. It's amazing how often we're asked, what, what is my GIN number? So that, that's basically your handicap ID. You have one. doesn't matter how many clubs you are in. It's the same number. You have one scoring record. Um, but that, that number is pretty important to, to be able to, to post a score. 
Yeah, I mean, some sometimes I mix mine up with my uh, Social Security number, and that gets me in a lot of trouble from time to time. Okay, well, you, you, we, you may have some taxation issues that we have to deal with <laughs> later. Right. So, how, how about something non-COVID related that maybe prior to this year um, that, you know, we get a lot of inquiries about? So, very, very common every year is the, how do I renew my membership? So, I'm, an, I'm a member of Club X. And I want to continue in Club X, and I'm not quite sure what I need to do, when I need to do it, et cetera. And probably as important as anything is we have automated email messaging that goes out to members and kind of wave the it's time to do something scenario specific to the club that you're a part of or each club if you happen to be a member of more than one thing. So starting 60 days before your membership is scheduled to expire in Club X, uh, you, you'll get an email that says it's time to renew in Club X. And if the club uses our online membership payment program, there'll be a link sitting right there. You just click, have your Visa or MasterCard ready, and your gen number as well and it'll bring up your profile and you've renewed your membership and, and off you go for another year um and if you don't ha if your club doesn't happen to you happen to use that feature the message will tell you to con a contact point at the club that, that you need to reach out to that contact point for them to renew on your behalf great yeah and you know i guess Believe it or not, we, we do want our members to renew. So we uh, we do have these communications in, in place, and um, most folks should expect something, you know, like you said, 90 and then 30 days out from their renewal date. Um, and then obviously they can always go to scga.org slash join for more information. Um, so, KO, I think unless you have anything else for – for our listeners today, I think we'll, we'll let you go. No, it's great uh, it just to talk about the handicap system and how what has been implemented with the world handicap system. There are some really nice new changes, more modernized, and it's really the first first significant change in nearly 30 years. And, and uh, the changes are, are positive. Even though it'll take, it's taking us a little bit of time in total as golfers and clubs to to lock into everything, but we're we're really pleased with moving. We we believe this is moving forward and is a, a, a significant improvement in the system. Yeah, absolutely. As a reminder to our listeners, three things: download the Gin app, and then head on over to stj.org for a bunch of information on COVID-19 handicapping and rules of golf information as well as this past year's World Handicap System Hub. That can all be found on scga.org. Uh, a lot of information, and um, I think that does it, KO. So that does it for this episode of uh, Quarantine Chronicles. Thanks so much for joining, KO, and uh, mahalo. Mahalo to you. Thanks, thanks for the time. All right. We'll talk soon. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.